It is with great trepidation that I begin to recount the harrowing tale of a young girl and the demon that haunts her every waking moment. For you see, dear listener, this is not a mere fable or work of fiction, but a true account of the horrors that can afflict the mind of a vulnerable soul. The girl, whose name I shall not divulge, had long been tormented by thoughts of a malevolent being that followed her every move. She believed that this entity could make itself visible any moment and that it sought to do her harm. Her anxiety about the demon had steadily increased over the months until her parents finally sought professional help. That is where I come in, a humble therapist tasked with unraveling the mysteries of the young girl's psyche. For several sessions, I had been explaining to her what obsessive compulsive disorder was and preparing her for the exposure and response prevention sessions that we would be undertaking. We had compiled a list of anxiety-triggering situations and the actions she felt compelled to do to ease her anxiety ranked in order from those that provoked the least anxiety to the highest. Today was to be our first ever exposure session, and I was surprised that the girl was even willing to talk about the demon for five minutes straight. But it was a small step, a tentative foray into the realm of the unknown. I sat with her, pen in hand, ready to mark down her anxiety level at the five-minute mark. How anxious are you feeling, now, from zero to ten? I asked, my voice gentle but firm. Three, she replied, fidgeting in her seat. I was pleased but also a little surprised. Exposure therapy usually took longer than that. Wow, it was a seven at the start. What helped it drop so quickly to a three? I inquired. We don't have any red containers in here. The demon hides only in red containers, she replied, her eyes darting around the room. There it was, the missing piece of the puzzle, the detail that had eluded us until that moment. The girl had been so terrified of even speaking about the demon that we had not managed to discuss it enough to know these important elements. I furrowed my brows in contemplation, and then an idea struck me. The other room is available right now, and there's a large red container used to hold toys. Do you think the demon could hide in something like that? The girl's face fell, and I felt a twinge of guilt. But I knew that this was necessary, that we had to face her fears head-on if we were to make any progress. She nodded solemnly, biting her lower lip, and I praised her for her bravery and courage. We made our way to the other room in the clinic, and as we entered, she stared nervously at the red container. So, shall we start? I asked gently. Okay, she replied, her voice barely above a whisper. You brave girl. I exclaimed, trying to boost her confidence. All right, how anxious are you feeling right now? Eight, she replied, her eyes glued to the red container. I noted it down in my notebook and then asked, how does this demon look like? Before she could respond, the lights in the room began to flicker. I saw the fear mount in her eyes and jumped to reassure her. This light has been flickering for the past week. It's an old bulb. We really should have gotten it changed earlier. I'll let the manager know to please get it done soon. This was complete nonsense, of course. I had no idea that the lights were faulty until that moment. But there was no way in hell that I'd let my client have her beliefs in this demon cemented. It would make future exposure sessions for her that much more difficult and her symptoms would probably worsen. Do you know that old bulbs no longer allow the electricity to circulate smoothly? So the lights flicker, like this, I explained, hoping to calm her nerves. 
Her face relaxed a little, and I could see that she was beginning to regain her composure. Are you ready to continue? I asked, and she nodded. We spoke of the demon, the deep burgundy red man with no face, and my heart grew heavy with each passing moment. The girl's fear was palpable, a living, breathing thing that threatened to consume her. She had never seen the demon in person, but she knew he was waiting, biding his time until he could strike. He was a creature of darkness and malevolence, with a scythe in hand and murder in his heart. As we talked, I asked for her anxiety levels at regular intervals, noting with concern the spikes and drops as she recounted her fears. But slowly, over time, her anxiety began to subside, and she grew more confident in her ability to confront the demon. Hey, you realize something? I asked, a glimmer of hope in my eyes. What? She replied, her voice barely above a whisper. You've been talking about him for ten minutes already. I exclaimed, my heart swelling with pride. Her jaw dropped in amazement, and she smiled for the first time since we had begun. I praised her courage and determination, and she announced that she wanted to continue with the exposure session. For thirty-five long minutes, we talked to the demon, exploring every facet of her fears. Her anxiety level dropped to a mere one, a remarkable achievement given the enormity of the task before her. But even as we celebrated her progress, I knew that the demon was still out there, lurking in the shadows and waiting for his chance to strike. She believed that he didn't exist, that he was nothing more than a figment of her imagination. But I knew better. I tried to explain to her that her belief was a trick of the mind, a product of the obsessive-compulsive disorder that had taken root within her. The demon was real, I told her, and it would take more than a few minutes of exposure therapy to banish him from her life. But despite my misgivings, I was hopeful. The flickering lights that had once terrified her were now merely an annoyance, and she was beginning to see that her fears were not insurmountable. As I gathered my things and prepared to leave the room, the lights continued to flicker. I shot a quick text to the clinic manager about replacing the bulb, then made my way through the silent halls, my thoughts consumed by the horrors that lurked within the mind of my young charge. I shuddered as I shut off the lights, my heart pounding in my chest. I knew that I was being foolish, that my fear was rooted in nothing more than superstition and old wives' tales. But still, I could not shake the sense of unease that had settled upon me. I laughed nervously to myself, trying to calm my frayed nerves. I was a psychologist, for God's sake. I should know better than to let my imagination run wild. And yet, here I was, feeling like a child again, terrified of the dark. Determined to conquer my fear, I settled down in the room with the red container, the only source of light the dim glow of the moon filtering through the window. I needed to do some exposure therapy on myself, to prove to myself that I was not the superstitious fool I feared I was. I used to have OCD, I reminded myself. Crazy magical beliefs and fears that had held me captive for years. But I had overcome them, or so I thought. And yet, as I sat there in the darkness, I could feel the old fears creeping back in, like tendrils of smoke snaking their way into my mind. My stomach twisted into knots, and I could feel the sweat prickling on my forehead. Something was not right, something was terribly wrong. But I refused to give in to the fear. I planted my feet firmly on the ground and gripped the armrests with all my might, determined to face my fear head on. Focus on the anxiety, I thought to myself, trying to channel the mindfulness techniques that had served me so well in the past. 
but this time, it was not working. The fear was too strong, too overwhelming. I felt the hairs on my arms and legs stand on end, and goosebumps prickled across my skin. The air felt charged with a sense of menace, and I could not shake the feeling that something was watching me. Still, I refused to move, knowing that giving in to my compulsions would only make things worse. I breathed deeply, trying to steady my ragged breaths, and waited for the fear to pass. But as the minutes ticked by, the fear only grew stronger, like a living thing that refused to be tamed. And as the darkness closed in around me, I knew that I was not alone. Something was in the room with me, something ancient and malevolent, and I could feel its eyes upon me, watching and waiting. As the fear began to ebb away, I felt a sense of triumph wash over me. I had faced my fear and emerged victorious, just as I had so many times before. OCD may have once held me in its grip, but now I was the one in control. But then, out of nowhere, came a sound that shattered my newfound confidence like glass. A loud thud echoed through the room, followed by another, and another. It sounded like something was trying to get out of the ray container. My heart pounded in my chest, and I could feel the cold sweat breaking out on my palms once again. I tried to tell myself that it was just my imagination, that my nerves were playing tricks on me, but the thumping continued, growing louder and more insistent with each passing moment. And then, all at once, I could take it no longer. I screamed, a high-pitched shriek that cut through the stillness of the night like a knife. Without a second thought, I sprang into action, racing towards the door of the clinic as if my life depended on it. I slammed the door shut behind me, my heart pounding in my chest like a jackhammer. But even as I stood there, gasping for breath and trying to calm my racing heart, I knew that I could not just leave the clinic unlocked and unsecured. I had to go back in, had to make sure that everything was safe and secure. With trembling hands, I fumbled for the keys in my pocket and made my way back towards the clinic. And as I approached the door, I saw that the security guard stationed at the entrance of the building had noticed my distress and was making his way towards me. His eyes met mine, and I could see the concern etched on his face. He knew that something was wrong, and he was there to help. My heart was pounding so hard in my chest that I could feel it in my throat. There was someone, or something, in that room with me, and every nerve in my body was screaming at me to run. But even as I stood there, frozen with terror, a small part of my mind was still trying to rationalize what I had heard. It was probably just a mouse, or a bird trapped in the room. Yes, that was it, a small, harmless creature that had somehow found its way into the clinic. But even as I tried to convince myself of this, my hand was already moving, reaching for the key that I kept in my pocket. I had to get out of there, had to lock that thing away and never look back. With shaking hands, I jammed the key into the lock and twisted it, feeling the satisfying click as the mechanism engaged. And then, without a second thought, I turned and ran, my feet pounding against the hard floor as I raced towards the exit. I could hear the security guard calling out to me, his voice tinged with concern, but I didn't stop, didn't turn back. I had to get out of there, had to put as much distance between me and that room as possible. It wasn't until I was safe at home, collapsed on my sofa in a trembling heap, that the full weight of what had happened hit me. Had I really just run away from an imaginary demon? Was I losing my mind? For hours, I sat there in the darkness, my mind racing with a thousand different thoughts and fears. Was this the onset of schizophrenia, or some other terrible mental illness? And then, 
As I looked around my living room, I saw that there were no red containers to be found. In that moment, I felt a sense of relief wash over me, and I knew that whatever had happened at the clinic that night, it was over now. The demon was gone, banished back to the depths of my imagination where it belonged. And for that, I was grateful. I brewed myself a strong cup of tea, hoping it would settle my nerves after the terrifying incident at the clinic. As I sipped the hot liquid, I tried to think of someone to confide in, someone who would not judge me as a psychologist. Lynn came to mind she was a fellow therapist who had struggled with her own mental health issues in the past. Perhaps she would understand what I was going through. I crawled into bed, pulling the comfort up to my chin, feeling too exhausted to even shower. As I typed out a text to Lynn, I heard a sound coming from beneath the bed. It sounded like something was moving a box, perhaps. My heart racing, I froze, my fingers hovering over my phone screen. What was happening? Was I hallucinating? The thought terrified me. As I sat there, trembling with fear, another thud emanated from under the bed. I realized with a jolt that the first aid kit, a red box containing supplies, was stored beneath my bed. The sound must have been the kit shifting along the floor. I couldn't take it anymore. Tears streamed down my face as I sprang out of bed and ran out of the house, grabbing my phone, keys, and credit card as I went. It wasn't until I was several blocks away, gasping for breath, that I dared to stop and try to calm down. I couldn't bear the thought of returning to my home, so I hailed a taxi and went to the nearest hotel. Lying in the unfamiliar bed, I couldn't shake the feeling of dread and unease that had taken hold of me. How could I continue to help my patients when I couldn't even help myself? I beseech thee, dear reader, to lend me thy ears and listen to my harrowing tale. For the darkness has engulfed me, and I fear for my very sanity. As I write this, I am holed up in a hotel room, far away from the comfort of my own home. I dare not return until I am sure that the demon that haunts me is vanquished. It all started with a simple desire for comfort and solace. After my traumatic experience at the clinic, I longed for the safety and security of a quiet hotel room. However, little did I know that this was just the beginning of my descent into madness. As I approached the reception desk, a feeling of dread began to overtake me. My eyes frantically searched for any signs of danger, and I scanned the area for any red containers. The receptionist, sensing my unease, shot me a curious look. Ignoring her, I requested a charging cable and asked that the room be cleared of any red containers. The receptionist seemed puzzled by my request, but I cared not for her judgment. I knew that I needed to be safe, at any cost. Once I was settled in my room, I felt a glimmer of hope. A hot shower would surely clear my mind and ease my troubled soul. However, as I began to relax, the memories of my trauma came flooding back, threatening to drown me in a sea of anxiety and terror. As my mind raced with thoughts of demons and madness, I frantically typed out my tale on my phone. I needed someone to know what was happening to me, in case I never made it out alive. I knew that I needed help, that I needed to see another psychologist. Work had been stressful, and I knew that it was a contributing factor to my mental breakdown. However, the fear of being labeled as crazy was overwhelming, and I knew that I had to be cautious. As I wrote, a loud banging on the wall shattered my thoughts. Was it just the next guest being an asshole, or was it something more sinister? The fear inside me grew, threatening to consume me completely. I write this now, dear reader, 
in the hopes that someone out there can help me. If you have ever experienced something like this, please share your story with me. For I fear that I am lost in a sea of darkness, and only your words can guide me back to the light. <laughs>